So uh, as you've already heard, uh, my name is Nick, and uh, just uh, I'm grateful to get to speak to you guys today. Um, first off, I just I, there's a few people that kind of encouraged me to to step out and do this, and uh, over the last month or so, and they knew who they are, and I just want to thank them for that. Um, you know, they spoke some things into me that just made me feel confident and able, and then um, the Lord did the rest. So, yeah. Um, so what I have for you today is uh, Joshua chapter seven. Um, sorry to my home group people, we're going to skip that. Um, <laughs> we've been going through that in my home group, um, and we got up to six. And I was last week thinking about what I was going to speak on, and talked to my wife about it, and she's like, "Well, what about where we've already been?" reading and this and that. And so I read it and I was like, well, this is awesome. So I'm going to go for it. Um, there's some reasons that I picked it. Obviously, you know, I was already there. So that was, that made it easy. But as I read through it, um, it just, it jumped out to me because it, it explains really well a, the way that, that sin can creep into your life if you let it and, and what can happen, how it can hinder your walk. Um, we're, we're going to see how that happens to the nation of Israel here. Um, and, and also when, you know, when God's doing stuff in your life and you're walking with him and you're in step, usually you're going to succeed in some things in the world. You might do well in your job. You're probably going to work hard if you're following the Bible. Um, and so you might succeed. Um, and that can give us, if we're not careful, a false sense of pride. Um, you can get to where you think I did this. I'm so smart. Um, I did so good in this job or, you know, I raised my kids so good cause I'm such an awesome parent and that's baloney. Uh, <laughs> we did that because the Lord helped us do that. He speaks to us. He guides our steps. Um, and when we fall away from that, we start getting to pride of ourselves. then yeah, we're, we're just going to stumble. And when we do, the Lord wants us to come back immediately. He's waiting with open arms because um, he's our father. He wants us to come back and, you know, he wants to help us deal with, with sin and whatever it is that, that caused us to stumble in the first place and pride. He wants us to come back into fellowship and restore him to us. So before I start in chapter seven, I wanted to give a little bit of a background um, most people probably know a little bit of the story of the nation of Israel, but I'm um, a little primer. So right here in, in this part, they're the west of the Jordan, and we're about 40 years-ish after Egypt. Um, they've, they've wandered in the desert for 40 years with Moses. Moses um, has now passed away, and God uh, installs Joshua as their new leader. Um, under Joshua's leadership through the Lord, they have uh, crossed the Jordan River. Um, you don't know that story. They basically just start walking across the water and the water parts. It's kind of like Red Sea, but a little different. Um, and then, so they're really starting their campaign into the west of the Jordan, into the promised land. Um, and in chapter six, we read that they um, had victory in Jericho. And the important part of that about that is that God delivered that for them. If you don't know the story, there's the trumpets and the walking around and seven times, and then the you know, they shout and the Lord blows the walls down. Um, but before he blows the walls down, he gives a command. And I'm going to paraphrase. This is in uh, chapter 6, 18 through 24. Um, 
what I wrote is that silver and gold were for the Lord. These were the first fruits. Um, they were to be set aside for the Lord. And they, were, and they mentioned the accursed items. Um, it doesn't go into specifics, but this is Babylonian culture. So you got to imagine some idols, some things of worship to false gods. Um, those were to be destroyed. Um, and the Lord warned them that if they took the accursed items, that it would bring trouble on Israel. So right here in uh, chapter 7, verse 1, we read, But the children of Israel committed a trespass regarding the accursed things. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took the accursed things, so the anger of the Lord burned against the children of Israel. So messed up immediately, right? They were told, hey, this is yours. I'm delivering it to you. And Achan gets greedy. Um, I'm sure there's a joke there about Achan and his name and, you know, Israel Achan, but I didn't come up with it. Um, so that brings me to our first point is, you know, a sin of disobedience. God gave them a clear specific thing. Do this. And he's done, I mean, you think about it. He, they're out of Egypt. These are people that have been, you know, some of them were born walking through Egypt. This is all they know, the Lord guiding them. And, you know, going across the miraculous things, the ark, the pillar, the, the manna. And they're like, ooh, but that's silver. I'm going to get some of that. Um, so, you know, it's how we can apply that to ourselves is like, if, if you, we know the things that are not good for us, that, that the Lord says are not for us, you can read the 10 commandments, but it's also written on your heart. You know, something's not for you. Um, and, you know, you, I'm going to skip ahead a little bit to 21. We don't have to go there because I'm going to paraphrase a little bit, but um, we already know that, that he did this. And when he's confronted, Achan says, when I saw the spoils, a beautiful Babylonian garment, um, 200 shekels of silver, a wedge of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and I took them. The, the first thing you see is that Achan calls them spoils. That's like saying that, they're, that they belong to Israel and they're spoils of war. God didn't say that. He didn't call them spoils. He said that these are consecrated to me. So he's twisting the words that the Lord had said. Um, and, you know, some of the stuff that he, he stole, like, what, what's he going to do? What's he going to do with, you know, 200 silver coins? Like, nobody has, Patrick knows what he can do with 200 silver coins. <laughs> but think about it. Like, they, he grew up with these people. Everybody is you don't just become suddenly wealthy and nobody raises a question, right? Like if I show up with a, with a Tesla tomorrow, everybody's gonna be like, well, Nick got some money, you know? So he can't spend this money. He can't wear the Babylonian garment. It's probably, I don't know. It could be like a priestly garment for a Babylonian, you know, pagan or something. He can't wear that around town. It makes no sense. But greed just came in and made him do it anyway. Um, and I see what, when he called it spoils, it just brought to mind that um, if you jump to Genesis 3, 6, uh, do that together. And 
It says, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of the fruit and ate. And she also gave it to her husband and he ate. So she is looking at it and calling this forbidden stuff good for food. The Lord did not tell them that that was for food. So, you know, first sin is us taking something that the Lord commands and then twisting it to something that helps us rationalize having it for ourselves. And so and continuing on here um, in chapter two of Joshua seven, we have so Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is beside Beth Haven on the east side of Bethel and spoke to them saying, go up and spy out the country. So the men went, went up and spied out Ai. They returned to Joshua and said to him, don't let all the people go up, but about two or 3,000 men to attack Ai. Do not weary all the people, for the people of Ai are few. So about 3,000 men went up from there, from the people, and they fled before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai struck them down, about 36 men, for they chased them from as far as um, Shebarim and struck them down on the descent. Therefore, the hearts of the people melted and became like water. So we contrast that to back in chapter two uh, of Joshua when they're speaking to Rahab and she says that, that the people of Jericho and the people that in that area, they know about Israel. They've known about them. They knew about the parting of the Red Sea. They knew about Egypt. They knew about the kingdoms to the east of the Jordan and how they destroyed them. And it says specifically that no spirit was in them and that their hearts melted because of them. So they hear about these guys who know them for like 40 years and they come across a river, they walk across it with their soldiers and they're sitting at your doorstep. You know, they're, they're pretty freaked out. And then you, then you couple the fact that Jericho is pretty much an impenetrable city. Um, it's got fortified walls. It's pretty much the most difficult military thing that they have to accomplish. And AI, by, by comparison, is much smaller. Um, and the Lord delivers that to them. But we can see that they're getting prideful. So that's my second point here is pride, the sin of pride. Um, you know, we, we go back to chapter six, and it starts off with the Lord giving Joshua instructions on what to do in Jericho. He tells them specifically what they're supposed to do and how they're supposed to go about it. And up to this point, we see Joshua seek the Lord in everything that he's doing. Um, before they cross the Jordan River, they're given specific instructions. Uh, but this time, we see them, they're walking in their own wisdom. Um, they don't seek the Lord. You don't read in the beginning of this that Joshua prayed to the Lord about what to do with AI, and he was given an answer. Um, he sends his spies. His spies are kind of puffed up because they're like, we just stomped Jericho. Um, and AI is small, so let's just send 3,000 guys, and it's going to be easy. And Joshua, their leader, who's been exalted before the Lord, does not correct them. He doesn't go, hold on, let me pray. Um, and I wonder what would have happened if he had done that first, if he had prayed and sought the Lord um, and been patient for the answer before sending his soldiers off, um, what would have happened? 
And just like um, the Lord has, had given them victories before this, he gives us victories in our lives. He gives us victories over sin, um, victory in our families, raising families, relationships, victories in our professional lives. And he does all this because he loves us. He loved the nation of Israel, but he deserves the glory and praise for it. Um, and that's really the best way to avoid pride, right? Is if somebody comes to you and says, oh man, you did such a good job. You're like, it's all Jesus. He enabled me to do that. But, you know, when we start acting like we got those things, um, we got that job or, we, you know, like I said before, raised our kids, we start becoming prideful. And they did the same thing when they marched off to AI. And, you know, I, I'm sure we all have stories of that, but I'll share a little bit of one from my life. I can think quite a long time ago, um, place that I used to work, you know, I was, I was thinking about leaving. I was going to get another job, start a career somewhere. And uh, that new job was going to co- pay a little bit less money. And I got a little fearful. We weren't really, we weren't going to church. We weren't walking with the Lord really. Um, so I got fearful and I took my own understanding and I didn't take that job. Um, I ended up working for that company later and it was great. So I think you could guess what would have been the right decision. Um, but instead I stayed with my company and I got a promotion and that was kind of cool. But I remember around that time, just being told by supervisors and bosses, like, oh, you should be proud of this. You should be proud of what you accomplished. You're doing a good job. You should be proud, 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 proud. And there's nothing wrong with enjoying a blessing that the Lord gives you, right? Um, you know, celebrate that. If, if the Lord's blessing you, you know, thank him. Um, enjoy that. Celebrate it. But, you know, don't, don't act like you did that. Um, and if you have, if you're around people that are, you know, instilling that pride in you, um, maybe talk to them, consider your friends. I don't know. (laughs) You know, I'm not going to get too much into that, but, (laughs) um, you know, it's, it's important. Um, especially, I I don't know about ladies, but especially guys, right? Like, you know, a lot of us are, are caretakers and, and, uh, working and providing. And I think it's a really easy trap. Um, and a couple of weeks ago we looked in, uh, Tanner took us through 1 John 2.15. And it says there, uh, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the pride of life is really what we're looking at here. Um, I looked up some, you know, like, what does that mean? Pride in self arrogance. Uh, it's the pride of life comes from loving the, the world and not the Lord. And the Bible says that if, if that's how you are, the love of the father is not in you. I don't want to be like that. So again, back to, back to Israel, they, you know, they go out pridefully against AI and it says about 36 men were killed. Um, and they're chased off their land. It was pretty different from everything that's happened to them before. They had never had a military defeat, and I don't believe that they have another one outside of, you know, as long as they're following the Lord, they're not defeated in battle. And um, so then you see, you know, what does, this is such a big uh, difference from, you know, at this point, it's saying that their spirit is melted. Whereas a couple chapters ago, we see that the entire nations of, you know, the Canaanites and Amorites, they're all those nations' spirits are melted, and now it's Israel. It's just flipped that quick. 
So um, what do we do in response? We're going to pick up in uh, verse 6. So then Joshua tore his clothes and fell on the earth on his face before the ark of the Lord until evening. He and the elders of Israel, and they put dust on their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, Lord, God, why have you brought this people over the Jordan to all, to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us? Oh, that we had been content and dwelt on the other side of the Jordan. Or, Lord, what shall I say when Israel turns its back before its enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear it and surround us and cut off our name from the earth. Then what will you do for your great name? I like that his first response, some of that is mourning. He just lost 36 guys and he's known them a long time and he hasn't had anybody, you know, his people die in battle. He falls on his face. He's mourning. He's reaching out to the Lord. Exactly what you should do when you find yourself in some sort of situation like this and you, when your sin is revealed and you realize that you've been messing up. And, you know, this is military battle, but... It's not so different from our battles in life, right? The enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. We have to fight off our own flesh. We have no chance of winning in those things without the Lord guiding us and protecting us. This brings me to my third point is repentance. Um, We'll pick up in verse 10. The Lord said to Joshua, get up. Why do you lie on your, why, why do you lie thus on your face? Israel has sinned. And they also have transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. For they have even taken of the accursed things and have both stolen and deceived. And they have also put it among their own stuff. Therefore, the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turned their backs before their enemies because they become doomed to destruction. Neither will I be with you anymore unless you destroy the accursed things among you. Lord exposes the sin to Joshua. He does that for us, right? He tells them about the accursed items in the camp. Um, and, I, and this exposes to me an, an important truth about God, that he cannot have sin in his presence. Um, if they're off in sin, he's not going with them. If you're off in sin, he's not there right alongside you. He's not there helping you. He's, he's waiting for you to turn around and come back doesn't mean he's abandoned you, but he's not coming. <laughs> um, we see that he was silent. He wasn't with them in their endeavors and they failed. In the same way sin separates us from God. Um, he hasn't stopped loving us. He didn't stop loving Israel, uh, but he waits for us to come back in repentance to help us deal with our sin. We continue on in 14 here. So this would be a bigger chunk. Um, in the morning, therefore, you shall be brought according to your tribes. Oh, wait, I skipped one. Sorry. 13. <laughs> Get up, sanctify the people and say, sanctify yourselves before tomorrow. Because thus said the Lord God of Israel, there is an accursed thing in your midst. O Lord, you cannot stand before your enemies until you take the accursed thing away from you. In the morning, therefore, you shall be brought according to your tribes. And it shall be that tribe which the Lord takes shall come according to the families and the family which the Lord takes shall come by households and the household which the Lord takes shall come man by man. Then it shall be that he who is taken with the accursed things shall be burned with fire. He and all that he has 
because he has transgressed the covenant of the Lord and because he has done a disgraceful thing in Israel. So Joshua rose early in the morning, brought Israel by their tribes, and the tribe of Judah was taken. He brought the clan of Judah, and he took the family of the Zarites, and he brought the family of the Zarites man by man, and Zabdi was taken. And then he brought his household man by man, and Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, the, of the tribe of Judah, was taken. And now Joshua says to Achan, My son, I beg you, give glory to the Lord God of Israel, and make confession to him. And tell me what you have done, and do not hide it from me. And when I, uh, and Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and this is what I have done. When I saw among the spoils a beautiful Babylonian garment, 200 shekels of silver, a wedge of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and took them. And there they are, hidden in the earth, in the midst of my tent, with the silver under it. So Joshua sent messengers. They ran to the tent, and there it was, hidden in his tent with silver under it. I'm just going to pause for a moment. It reminds me of going back to the first sin with, with Adam and Eve. What did they do after they sinned? And the Lord comes looking for them. They hid. This is the same thing they're doing here. We don't change. <laughs> we think we, you can hide from God, clearly. But, you know, Eve's like, it's in that tent under that blanket. Um, and they took it. They took them from the midst of the tent and brought them to Joshua and all the children of Israel and laid them out before the Lord. Then Joshua and all Israel with him took the son of Achan, son of Zerah, the silver, the garment, the wedge of gold, his sons, his daughters, his oxen, his donkeys, his sheep, his tent, all that he had, and they brought them to the valley of Achor. And Joshua said, why have you troubled us? The Lord will trouble you this day. It's an awesome way to put it, I think. Every time I read that, that just cracks me up. The Lord will trouble you this day. So all Israel stoned him with stones, and they burned him with fire after they had stoned them with stones. Then they raised over him a great heap of stones, still there to this day. So the Lord turned from the fierceness of his anger. Therefore, the name of that place has been called the Valley of Achor to this day. So you can see that after exposing the sin, the Lord commands them to deal radically with it. They broke, they've broken the covenant. Uh, you know, they've broken this covenant that was made in six um, and it has to be dealt with by death. Um, point I wrote down is that, you know, sin is bad for you, right? Um, it makes, it can make you sick. It can make you physically ill, the stress of it. Um, saw that this this morning, we were, we just bought this used trailer and we're tearing it apart, right? open up the ceiling. There's a whole bunch of rotten wood and moisture and, you know, nasty insulation. What if I just left that and covered it up, painted over it? We'd get sick, right? It's no different. So what do I have to do? I have to tear it out. I have to deal with it radically. It has to be destroyed. And what did we hear last week at the end of the sermon in Romans 6, 23? It says, for the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ, our Lord. You can see that that is, that is what we get in response to our sin is death. It's no different today than it was then. God's not different now than he was then. Um, same today, yesterday, and tomorrow, right? But this time, um, 
for us, we have a, a different kind of covenant. Um, our debts are paid by Jesus' death on the cross. We can't break that. And I looked up what a, a covenant is. It's like a deed or a lease or a contract. It means something is owed, but that's been paid. For Israel, it was owed through, you know, the, the, the silver and the gold, right? That was, that was the Lord's covenant then, but, you know, this one is different. And we still see that God cannot have sin in his presence. And we're sinners. So how does that work? How are we supposed to, you know, if he can't have sin and we're sinners, how does that? That's through Jesus. Um, and it's only achievable because we're sanctified and made clean before the Lord. And that means by that sanctification that we can have eternal life with him in heaven. Um, it says in 1 Corinthians 6.11, you were washed you were sanctified and you were justified by the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of our God. So that means that God doesn't see that sin. He doesn't see what we really are. He sees a perfect person through Jesus. It means if we steal gold and silver, we don't have, you know, we don't have to go stone that person. <laughs> um, But this, this section gives us such a great picture to contrast um, their failure in AI to the sins in our lives and, and how it goes when you're not in right standing with God, when he's not walking with you and helping you out. And just to jump ahead, one verse, I mean, the next section is cool. You can read it if you want, but in, uh, and I'm sorry, it's not in the slides, but in, in eight, verse one, it says, now the Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. Take all the people of war with you. Arise and go up to Ai. See, I have given it into your hand, the king of Ai, his people, his city, and his land. So we see that the Lord had good things planned for the nation of Israel, just like he has good things planned for us. But they let sin get in the way. Doesn't mean, obviously, he redeemed it, right? He, he sanctified them. He, uh, they dealt with the sin and it and what he needed to happen happened anyway. Um, just like my story before when, you know, my sins of pride got in the way of a, of a job that I should have taken. I worked there later. Um, and the situations and the things that happened, you know, after that, the Lord redeemed and I wouldn't trade where I am now for where that could have been. I don't even get into that because God's too good. Right. We're, sa we're saved either way, right? If we've accepted the Lord in our heart, we're saved. We're destined for heaven, but we do have a choice. Um, and it's a choice to do um, God's plan on our own um, or to do it with the Lord. Probably good for worship team to start coming up soon. Um, Yeah, we can walk with God with, you know, our own, with our own step, with God guiding our steps, or we can do it under our own understanding. And maybe that's, maybe that's you. Maybe that's where you're at in life. Maybe you don't know the Lord um, and you're tired of, you know, fighting these battles in life alone. Maybe you do know God and something's keeping you out of fellowship and keeping you a distance between you and him. 
take Joshua's example. Um, deal with that sin. It's holding you back. Destroy it. Do what has to be done. Ask God for help. Tell him that you know you messed up and that you're a sinner and you ask, and ask for forgiveness. The Bible says that the Lord knows your heart and before the words leave your mouth, you're forgiven like it never happened. And during, the, during this last song, we'll have the, the prayer team up and I want to say that you don't have to go another day um, alone like that. And if you, if you want to, you know, if you're feeling it, come get some prayer for that. Um, you can grab a prayer card. You can put it in there. If you don't feel comfortable sharing who you are, that's okay. Just, you know, fill it out and put it in there. The prayer team is going to pray for you. But don't just get comfortable in the sin and that, the way that that life is. Know that, that God has something better. And he's waiting for you, just like the... Uh, you know, he's waiting for you as a father, just waiting for you to come back and he's going to give you a big hug and, you know, help you deal with your sin, right? So I just want to encourage you to, to take that 